0: Stone Chats, Small Talks About Homeschooling. Presented by Wildwood Curriculum, a Charlotte Mason education for all. Today we continue with part two of our chat with Rihanna Goss from Solfa Sofa about singing with our children. Do you have resources mm-hmm. that we can give to people either? paid ones, sequential ones that mm-hmm. are accessible to people who are not music teachers yes. who don't have that background training or if they're free online.
1: My website is free. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Children of the Open Air, she has lessons that are free on YouTube. The Sing Solfà. I actually helped Jessie write the very first unit and life just got crazy with both of us so we started doing our own thing and so that's when I started Sofa sofa, oh, so in elementary, my kids, the intervals that my kids loved when we would sing so lot and me, and what I like to do also with students is I will just do a hand sign. These are Kerwin, Kerwin developed the hand signs, so we can give credit to him on the hand signs. What I do with my students is I won't sing, I want them to, in their mind, figure out after I've given them a starting pitch, like if I say, "Don't me." Uh, so, so they know dough. So this is so. And I did so, love me, so, ew. <laughs> they would laugh. And then the <laughs> other one that I think is really funny is if you go from so to fa, so, fa. It sounds like sofa. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was like, oh, I'll make the website sofa sofa. So and, is uh, it
0: sofa sofa.com?
1: No, it is dot wordpress.com. I think it's a WordPress free. It's all okay. free. It's yeah, I don't, okay, I'm not going to pay to have hosting <laughs> fees and make people pay me or anything like that. So, so they're just the drill, just the exercises. It doesn't, I would encourage moms don't make just that your music lesson, you know, make it a five minute part of your music lesson, but also teach the folk songs. Teach the foreign language songs, like in like you've noticed that in the forms, in the programs, they did. They learned foreign language songs, and there are a lot of great resources by form of some different foreign language songs. Like for maybe form one, you could teach "Ferajaka" um, or "Au Clair de la Lune," and have some French songs that are very that are nursery French songs that are easy.
0: So you have um, the Children of the Open Air. You have yours. Do you have for people who want a complete?
1: Yeah, it it can get pricey. You know, what I was saying, as a music teacher in the public schools, you know, we have money for curriculum. Right, they would invest in it as curriculum. Yeah, so the John Fire Robin curriculum, I would suggest. There's also, because my background is mainly or Schulwerk, which is a whole other rabbit trail. Uh, very similar to Kodai, just more more experience-based. It, it uses more tactile learning modalities. There's a curriculum, but I feel like it's more classroom-oriented. I think that's mm. where you're going to get a little bit eh, iffy, is a lot of these curriculums are geared toward the classroom music teacher rather than the homeschool mom. But there's so much for free. I would also very highly suggest the Kadai resources From Holy Names University, it's kadai.hnu.edu. And within that website, it's a whole um, American folk song collection. You are learning music concepts through American folk songs, which is, I feel like, very Charlotte Mason, you know. And if you look at the tonic solfa, the tonic solfa written by the Kerwins is English. So English folk songs and using the solfa to teach through that. And this one is specifically American.
0: Right. And Kodai was specifically Hungarian. So it's mm-hmm. not, um, you would go with whatever your folk That's songs you. are, right? You yeah. would find, you'd probably want to look for Kodai resources for your particular
1: language. And there are, yes. Um, so the Kodai branch or association is actually the acronym O-A-K-E. But actually I think that might be for America but I know that there is international because Kadai is in most every country
0: so here's another question for you then you gave us this website with the um, teaching singing through the folk songs the American folk songs would you recommend then that for your your kids that, that you're teaching them music that you only teach or you only have them learn these particular folk songs
1: to teach music oh, or no.
0: interspersing with the other
1: no, I, one of the principles of music educators is exposing children to all cultures of music. So, I mean, that is a whole another section of your music lessons. I'm saying if you're teaching them how to read sight read music and learn solfa, that you can do that through American folk songs to be fun. You could do it through drills. You know, if you're teaching. A Hindu, Hindi folk song, you're not going to be able to use (laughs) solfa to learn that. So that's going to be more, and even Eastern, like China and Japan and Korea, as a music teacher, if you're getting a curriculum, it's going to have multicultural songs and lessons in it, which I feel like is very beneficial to a person, you know, and even Charlotte Mason would agree. In volume two, she talks so much about having empathy for other cultures, and other languages and why we should teach our children other languages so that they can relate to other people.
0: Right. Did you have any, any comments, Jennifer, Miriam, Crystal? No, I'm just on the Kadai Society of Canada website, looking at all their <laughs> Canadian folk song resources.
2: Yes. So.
1: And I, I do have a Canadian friend that is a great resource for everyone because, um, She's very popular in America as well. Her name is Denise Gagne, G-A-G-N-E, and her curriculum is called Music Play. In fact, actually, that gives me that I think that she at one time was developing something for a homeschool track. So you might want to look into that to see, and I can as well. Music Play is her curriculum, and her name okay. is Denise Gagne, and she's from Canada.
0: Oh, good. Um I know Crystal is developing a curriculum right now. She has preschool and two levels, two levels, right, right Crystal? Yes, yep, yeah, and your plan is to eventually get five or six levels
3: it's It's ever evolving. I'm still kind of open to to where that's going to go so far we don't it's, know yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, the primary level and the level one the one that's already re- level one is introducing the sulfa. Um, just kind of orally finding them within the songs. Mm-hmm. And what I'm currently working on right now is it's the next step would be rhythm. And then after that, then kind of bringing it all together to where the actual notation is introduced. So kind of, it's really gentle. It's very different, but the approach that I'm going for, <laughs> it's a whole different approach, but with very deep roots and honoring of, you know, the way that I was taught, which was, yeah, it was very strongly rooted in Kodai. and actually, um, Brianna was mentioning Dalcroze earlier. Dalcroze was really a very big part of my education as well. So, it's and Dalcroze was basically just really incorporating movement and learning music through how you feel it through your body. Yes. So I love that. I did, yeah. <laughs> it's very physical. I, I
1: remember <laughs> in one of my first music education courses in college of how they kind of gave an overview of every one of them, and because of my piano background. My mentor said, oh, Rihanna, you should study Delcros, you know, with your piano <laughs> background and everything that, that would fit you so well. So I've done a few um, workshops on Delcros, and I do. I love it. We bounce lots of balls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Miriam, did you have any questions? Or No, I'm just super excited to check out all these resources. <laughs> 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 We've been using the Children of the Open Air this year. Have
0: you found that easy to use? I haven't I looked at it last year, but I haven't actually used it at
2: all. Yes, I think, I think so. Both both of my children like it. Usually my son, he's not huge on music. He likes to sing but not as a as a lesson. But he, he has been liking that one.
0: Oh, that's nice. I think when I looked at it, I think there's only one or two videos up and then I just kind of forgot about it. Oh she so, has a lot. Uh,
1: yeah, she, she has, has a lot now. of videos, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, what I should do is I should take the time to look at Heather's videos and be able to say, well, hey, these are the concepts. And she follows a very could I sequence like I have on the sofa sofa. So if you wanted to use the drills and exercises on my blog, in addition to the songs that she's teaching through the lessons on Children of the Open Air, she hasn't gone any farther than what my unit two is, I'm pretty sure cuz she focuses on just so me and la for quite a while i even think like her unit 2 is when she first introduced do or something like that so i mean if it says anything in kindergarten through 5th grade as far as the solfa goes my kids could sing lo so so do and then follow all the way up in mostly steps or skips not a whole lot of big jumps of intervals but nothing nothing really in minor. In my curriculum, I did have to teach minor, um, but it was more of a rote thing and it was more of an ear thing for them to be able to distinguish between a major tonality and a minor tonality. I feel like if you really spend a lot of time with your kids from kindergarten to fifth grade, developing a really good foundation for them with some of these resources that we've mentioned, once they're in the higher forms, Find a choir for them to get involved with. A lot of big cities have choirs. And in a choir, they will learn more of this theory and singing that we've talked about that would be in the higher forms of the PNU.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So how far were you actually able to take your students, your when the students would be fifth, you said you went through fifth grade, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How far would the majority of them have gotten to?
1: They but would have done, a, done the whole diatonic scale. Okay. And, um, and they would uh, have been applying those principles to the recorder. I'm a big recorder person or if Schulwerk was very big on recorder. So when they got to third grade, I started using solfa and the recorder together. So they were reading music and they could sing it and they could play it. Um, And then rhythms, you know, we didn't talk a whole lot about a rhythm. But let me give you a distinction between Kadai and Kerwin. With Kerwin, they notated the rhythm with these parentheses and colons and just dashes. And I was like, why are they doing that? Just that makes no sense when you take it to traditional notation and uh, Heidi Bushback at Miss Mason's Music actually said that the reason was is because of typewriters. We have computers now. Oh. We have notation uh, fonts. You know, you can actually download a font to write out rhythm. Very the cool. difference with Kadai is that if you, were to, if you were to look at a song, here's a Kadai notated song, they use stick notation. So it, it's not like, colons and parentheses, it actually looks like the stems of a note. So if you have a quarter note, it's just a line. If you have two eighth notes, it's a beamed, it's two beamed lines. So it makes more sense when you're taking this concept of teaching solfa to actual notation and reading music. It's more of a cohesive bridge, whereas the, the Kerwin rhythms are just way out there it's that's why I'm like I don't even bother with the tonic solfa rhythm because it doesn't have any association to modern notation whereas the kadai notation does and I think that is one of the big differences and benefits of following a kadai methodology in your singing lessons
0: when the kids are learning sight singing mm-hmm. are they learning sight singing from the musical the staff notation or from the kodai notation They're doing doing
2: both.
1: Yes. I don't know if Charlotte Mason would agree with the Kadai process of introducing staff notation. What we do in first grade is actually just use two lines and children follow a note that's going from the top line to the bottom line and that's so me because it's a skip. And then event, and then we add three lines. So me, do. And then it's the full five line traditional music staff. I mean, you could start with the five lines, I guess. For little ones, it just makes more sense sequentially to add that in step by step and like that word elemental. Right. So I, I feel like that's a, a really good way to do it. And I'm pretty sure that Heather at Children of the Open Ear starts that way. I'm pretty sure that she uses two lines for the notation. So, like I said, when you break up the lesson, it's in different parts. The modulator would just be maybe listening and following the letters, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. The sight reading would actually be following the staff and how the notes move up and down on the staff. And the rhythm training, which she had seven minutes down in the Tonic Solfa book, it's seven minutes of rhythm training. And that's when you're talking about the, the division between beat and rhythm, and that's a big part of it. Even though it's not singing, you still have to know rhythm, and that's a big part of the the lesson as well. And just like Kadai uses ta, ta, ti, ti, ta, the Kerwin method had a very similar system. So using a system of syllables for rhythm rather than one, two, three, and four, it's a principle of Charlotte Mason's that you can say, okay, I can teach my kids ta, ta, ti, ti, ta, and still lining up with what they were doing in the PNU programs.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about ear training? What what exactly is ear training?
1: Ear training is listening to a melody and being able to say back what that is. As little as form one, me playing this, and a student being able to sing back, sorry, and progressing farther and farther. In the article by WH Leslie, I'm pretty sure it was his article, Mm -hmm. they gave references to interval, being able to hear something and understand what the interval was. Nowadays, we have references, like all the ones that he listed were obscure English folk songs and hymns of the Church of England that I don't even know. But if I were to hear this, I know that's a fourth because I think here comes the bride. Mm-hmm. Ah, right. That's your ear training. That's being able to hear something and being able to say back what the note is or what the interval is. So there's lots of tricks like a fifth if you heard ah, ah, mm-hmm. twinkle twinkle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I had another question that I thought of while you were doing that and it tied right in with that and I
2: for-
0: I've- I forgot it. It's gone.
2: It's gone. We're just watching you in awe right now.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's all this knowledge. I'm
0: and-
2: such
1: a music nerd. I, you know, I was created for it. I knew ever since I was maybe 15 that I would be a music teacher. It's been a joy. It's been a journey and something I'm very thankful for.
0: Every time I do these podcasts, I'm just so sad that I don't have little people in my house anymore.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's what I
0: was going to ask. Okay, so a child who comes to the Charlotte Mason Method later, Mm -hmm. and they're starting the singing, would you start from the very, very beginning, or would you jump in where the age would put them? You know, is, is Kodai sequential that you have to have that beginning foundation? Or is it something that you can jump into midstream?
1: Okay, so there is a publication from a long time ago that was for older beginners. I know Heidi referenced it one time. I'll have to find out because I can't remember the name of it. But modern, like if we're talking about modern, what I would do with an older student is I would start that Theoretical knowledge with them, and I would put it on an instrument I mean they could play the recorder a recorder is a very e- easy instrument to learn and apply, and use the theory of music. You could still follow that same sequence, either put it on a piano, put it on a recorder, and sing along while you do it as well to help develop your ear because I feel like when you're singing, you're also developing your ear your your inner hearing. It all goes back to, I think, having a really good teacher as well. And if you have an older student who wants to learn this, I would look online. OutSchool, you know, OutSchool mm-hmm. is a really good resource that we have now that they didn't have 100 years ago. <laughs> and we didn't there have are, it three oh, years ago. Yeah, there are passionate music teachers that would love to help a student grow. If you don't feel like you have, the confidence to help your older students. So I would just seek out those teachers that would be able to help an older student. You know, they don't want to sing Lucy Lockett, lost her pocket, (laughs) (laughs) but they might enjoy the song. Get ready for this. You know, they could, (inaudible) they could learn the soul to that because it's just a, a few pitches, a tone set.
0: So I noticed there you said solfege, and you mentioned that earlier, but we've also been talking about solfa. Is there is it
1: the same or is it a different? Solfege is the verb and the okay. noun. Like tonic solfa is actually made by the Kerwins. So like John Fire Robin, he created conversational solfege. That's his brand. Tonic solfa is the Kerwins brand. That makes sense. That's just... Okay, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just a way to say it. Solfeggio is the actual Italian term for singing by pitch, for having these syllables for the pitch.
0: I always wondered. I didn't know. You know what's the difference between solfa, solfeggio, and solfe- solfeggio? Solfeggio.
3: <laughs> solfeggio. You to say when you get the accent there. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, is there anything else you wanted to add, Rihanna?
1: Find the joy of singing. I would encourage all homeschool moms, don't leave it out because it's not something comfortable for you. Don't ever say, I can't sing because everyone can sing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's everyone has been given an instrument. If you don't play piano, well, if you don't play recorder, mm -hmm. but everyone can sing. Everyone has been given an instrument to use and to find joy and I hope that it's encouraging for moms to start singing and and finding resources and having fun teaching music to
3: their children
0: I love that okay so I'm
3: waving a hanky over here yes (laughs) (laughs) and I I'll
1: add um I had an experience and you know when words are very powerful I remember being about 10 years old And my neighbor said, oh, you have an ugly singing voice. And it stuck. And I remember just bawling in one of my college classes. You know, I was gifted in piano. And that is where I spent my years honing a skill. I honed my piano skills. I majored in piano, even though I was music education. I actually wanted to be a band director. I remember breaking down in tears because those words from 10-year-old me took root and, and I know I'm not a singer, you know, I am I live in Nashville. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a singer. There are so many gifted singers, but I sing. And when little kindergartners come up to me and say, Oh, you sing so beautiful. You have a beautiful singing voice. It's like, Aww. it just, it, it really, it touches my heart. And, you know, if you it watch my heart, my- if you watch my videos on Sofa Sofa, you know, you can critique me all you want. I don't have perfect pitch. My pitch is maybe flat or sharp. I have a passion and I have a joy and I sing and I'm not going to have a beautiful singing voice like all these famous singers in Nashville or wherever, but... A lot of
0: them don't have beautiful singing voices. <laughs> That's
1: true. That's true too. Um, but I I don't shy away from singing. And to my children, my voice is beautiful. You know,
3: yeah, it's making me a- keep that hanky in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it?
0: You know, looking at it as an adult, and it, it's strange how those words hurt
1: children mm-hmm.
0: and stay with them so much. I had a really yeah. similar experience, but it was flip. So, my sister, my older sister, had gotten private cello lessons for years, and she had wanted to change to the flute. They let her change to the flute. And then when it was time for me to have lessons, because we started band in fifth grade is when we had the option. And I came home and I told them, my parents, that I wanted to play whatever instrument it was. My dad told me no. And when I asked him why not, he said, you wouldn't be any good at an instrument anyways. You need to stick with singing. And for years, well into adulthood, Mm -hmm. I just, I knew, I knew I would not be any good at an instrument. And I remember somebody asking me why I never played an instrument. And I said, well, because I wouldn't be any good at it anyways. I sing, I don't play an instrument. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was in my thirties and I was actually teaching, well, gosh, I guess really in my forties because of my youngest daughter now, Mm -hmm. when I started to learn how to play the penny whistle for the Charlotte Mason thing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that him saying that was his issue. It didn't Mm -hmm. have any reflection on me because Mm -hmm. I was able to play and follow the lessons. And I think that's just, we have to watch what we say to kids because Mm -hmm. they don't have that filter to be able to say, well, that's not true. I could learn that if I really wanted to. They take what other people say as, Mm -hmm. this is somebody else saying this and they can see me in a way that I can't, so they must be right.
1: Homeschool yeah.
3: moms. <laughs> positive yeah, positive, positive <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Yeah, I believe in the beauty of your instrument. I've, I've yes. taught so many students, I teach private voice lessons, and I've had students of so many different abilities, and I try to explain to them that your voice is an instrument, and yes, different people are born with different instruments, so maybe you were born with a, a student violin, and maybe somebody else was born with a Stradivarius. Mm-hmm. Well, you can both learn to play that instrument beautifully. Mm-hmm. And maybe the person born with the Stradivarius will grow up to be Isaac Perlman. <laughs> and, you know, you just play at home. The same thing with singing. You know, maybe somebody who's born with an instrument that's different may go on to become a professional singer. But that doesn't mean that anybody can't learn to sing beautifully and just right. enjoy singing. Yes. It's all beautiful. So sing, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: sing. That's sing. Sing. Right. So, Jennifer, Miriam, did you have anything else to add before we go to our nature minute? No, I just want to go sing now.
2: <laughs> I will say I, I did experience what Rihanna said. My son, he he he's always like singing. It's very monotone, probably gets that from me. Mm. <laughs> but this year he's been doing Penny Whistle with Jodie Messler. I've noticed a huge change since he's been working with her and he plays the songs and he sings it. Now he's getting those different pitches, things that we've been trying for a few years, but sometimes when it's mom teaching, it's not very fun. (laughs) I saw that change with him when he matched it with an instrument with someone else, not me, but with someone else teaching him, he just lit up and now he's getting those pitches. How old is he? He's about to turn nine. Okay. Okay.
0: yeah. You know, sometimes I think it's, it's mom, and sometimes I think it's that we, not being professional teachers, we don't have the repertoire of the games to make it fun, mm-hmm. you know, so we're just looking at, okay, well, how would I do this lesson, whereas someone like Rihanna comes up with, the M&Ms are mushing in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Do you have resources like that?
1: Because I would love to incorporate those sorts of things, and I... I... It's hard for me to... I've spent 10 years before I even had kids attending national conferences and Mm
2: -hmm.
1: reading music teacher resources. So a lot of things are just in there. And I feel better if somebody asks me a specific question, like, hey, I want to teach this. It's easier for me to type out an email. Oh, I would do this, 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 just because I'm not exactly sure where to say, go find this. I will say as a music teacher, one of the really fun places that I would go for resources was called musick8.com. They are a magazine subscription company where they send you, as a music teacher, they send you a magazine every two or three months with a CD that has songs for a season as well as lesson plans. So that was a big place that I would go to for resources. The Smithsonian website, um, folk songs, and there's also lesson plans on there for music. I love folk music, and the Smithsonian is the best place to go for that. Uh, Smithsonian Folkways, uh, the Holy Names University Kadai Center for folk songs that also have the solfege, solfa training as well included in that. And yeah, workshops. <laughs> so, you know, I will say, I wonder if any homeschool moms have ever thought about attending music teacher workshops. So a lot of them are sometimes free with Orff work, which is my main genre of music education. We have what we call a chapter share every year. And I would suggest if there are parents who maybe even you teach the music section of a co-op. Find out if there's a local chapter and see if you can attend a workshop and just learn some games and lessons that you might be able to use either in your own home school or maybe in your co-op. As a music teacher, I feel like the community of music teachers is where I got most of everything I use, so... I don't see why a chapter, a local chapter would be opposed to having a homeschool mom. I think they would, at least ours would welcome them. So come to Nashville and I'll go with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Rihanna. It You're was uh, it was wonderful having you on. Thank so you for at, having the, me at the end of every podcast um, or most podcasts, we do what we call a nature minute. And we go around, and since I'm completely putting you on the spot, Rihanna and Crystal, so if you want to opt out, that's <laughs> fine. Um, but we just talk a little bit about what's going on outside our door in nature. So oh, right now, everything is in bloom where I am. I live in the desert. We have had so much rain this winter. Um, just, mm. gosh, I don't even remember having not only this much, but this frequent. Pretty much every week to two weeks we've gotten rain, which is a lot even for us. So today we were out on an adventure and we found a whole bunch of tansy, which usually I only see little bits here and there, but there's also a new plant that I've lived here for 15 years and I have never, ever seen before. And I remembered when I was looking at it, reading that in the desert, there are some plants that can be dormant for even a hundred years wow. because they're waiting for those really intense rainfall seasons to sprout, and i I'm wondering if this is one of those or if this is just some invader that's coming mm-hmm. in and taking root in the more rain that we've gotten this year. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that I definitely need to look up. That's Did my you Take a picture. I did not because I am trying to develop my visual memory and then draw it when I get home and see what parts don't I remember now. And so then I'll go back out tomorrow and fill in those blanks because that helps develop that memory more than just taking out my phone and snapping a picture and forgetting about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Jennifer? We have melt here. It's above zero today. One <laughs> degree Celsius. So there's little trickles of water starting to to move and the snow is shrinking and yes, I'm so excited. That's my nature
1: minute. <laughs> well, I just got back from a nature weekend with my daughter. We went to a farm and I can give two examples and tie them into music. So the farm we went to is a donkey farm. And my daughter, when we were driving there, she said, I can't wait to see the donkeys because I'm going to sing our folk song. Uh, sweetly oh. sings the donkey at the break of day. If you do not feed him, this is what he'll say. Hee-haw, hee-haw. Haw 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 haw. The first thing we did when we got to the farm is she sang to the donkeys, and then uh, Miriam and I are in the uh, coyotes' guide, and I think Jennifer and Marjorie, you guys are in the coyotes' I guide too. group yep. too. And uh, so I led a hike this morning on the property of the farm. They have um, five acres of farm, which has chickens and donkeys. And then across the street, there's 11 acres of hiking trails. And so when we were getting ready to go on our hiking trail, uh, I've adopted a song for all of our hikes. And this is part of the Coyote's Guide. They love to have some sort of a ceremony expectation. You know, when you gather together, just having that solid, we're together, we're doing this together, we're going on an adventure. So Here's my song, and you're free to use it with your groups. In nature's four seasons, there's plenty of reasons to strap on a pack and go out to explore. We'll gather together in all kinds of weather and search for adventure wherever we go. Alive, alive-o, alive, oh, alive, alive, we'll search for adventure wherever we go. Oh, I love that. Go ahead, girl. Yes. <laughs>
0: And you said you had another one, Rihanna? You said there were two that things? That was it.
1: The sweetest things, the donkey.
0: Oh, calendar. the sweet And that, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Did you have anything, Crystal?
3: Uh, well, that's interesting because I kind of have the opportunity to see both of what you guys got to experience in your own world. Um, maybe not the melting <laughs> of the ice that you have, Jennifer. But uh, we live on a ranch, and our ranch is in the middle of the desert, a little bit further west than, than your desert, Marjorie. Yep. We have a lot of fruit trees on the ranch and they're all, all of the buds are just starting to explode and all of the flowering trees are just completely flowering. But then also on the outside of the ranch, there's so much green in the desert. And if you go to the edge and like peek over the fencing, you could see that all that green is budding as well. So it's going to be a super bloom of wildflowers that I don't even know what it's going to be because usually it's so dry. So that, and then of course, you know, all the baby animals, so many little birds. It's such a neat time of year. I love spring and I love autumn. They're my favorites.
0: Me too. You know, I also wanted to mention really quick the Coyote's Guide group that Rihanna was talking about. That is a Facebook group where we are discussing and reading through Coyote's Guide to Connecting with Nature by John Young. We talk about that book frequently, actually, on the podcast, Um, but that's just search for I think it's just Coyote's Guide to Connecting with Nature Study Group on Facebook. Is that right, Rihanna? So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
2: So, Miriam, your turn. It's finally, finally warmed up here. We've had a break from the rain. Today, we went bike riding, and right now, they're out. Uh, my two are outside. They're making leprechaun houses. They're hoping to see a leprechaun tonight. But everything is also flowering here, and in the valley we get a lot of the pollen and the allergies are starting early this year. My daughter and I have been oh, coughing and hacking, <laughs> but the flowers are beautiful. And there's this this one tree in our old yard, and it always has the prettiest, they almost look like white cherry blossoms, and they always flower the week before my son's birthday. The week of his birthday, they all have fallen, and it's like snow on the driveway, Oh, wait. they look, and that's how they know that his birthday is coming up. Oh. So it's the tree. Oh. It's almost oh. time. Does that happen the same every year then? It does. So for some reason, that tree, the week before his birthday is when they've all fallen, and is it, they can always tell that's the it birthday knows. tree. <laughs> it knows. That's the birthday tree. Oh, that's wonderful. Aww.
3: There's a really sweet children's book. Um, there's actually a series. It's Fletcher and the. And there's a few different ones. It's a Little Fox. And there's one where that—that's what the storyline is. He thinks it's snowing, and he's like very concerned about that it's snowing and it's not supposed to be snowing. It turns out it's flowers from a tree all over the ground.
2: Aww. I wonder
3: if your son would love that book. <laughs> I'll
2: have to go look for it. Uh, what
0: was the name of that again?
3: It's. I think it's Fletcher and the Falling Leaves, but it. It might not be in the Falling Leaves. It's Fletcher and the something. Because there's a few different books that have different stories. But with the same little fox, that's Fletcher.
0: We'll look that up.
3: Super, super sweet. (laughs) Super sweet.
0: Thank you. So we're going to end this right now. And thank you so much for listening. And I think we will have to do show notes for this one, won't we, Jennifer? Uh, Yes, definitely. A whole webpage, I think. So, Rihanna, you can you can send those over to us. Yes, as much as you can. Okay.
1: Yeah, and if any listeners have a question, I'm in the Wildwood group. So if somebody's got a question about something with music, tag me, and I'll be happy to to share whatever I know. Oh, wonderful!
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Wildwood Curriculum Podcast Stone Chats. For more information about our free secular and inclusive curriculum based on the works of 19th century
1: educator Charlotte Mason, please visit us at wildwoodcurriculum.org.